The Lord is risen. So why is that important? It's important because it means that the author of life, creator God, has conquered death. He wasn't held with death. Death had no power over him. And it was the death of a sinless, perfect God that paid the price for sin for all time. It allowed us to have an intimate relationship with him, something that had never happened before, a personal relationship. Well, it happened with Adam and Eve, and it was lost. And the door was opened up, and we can know him. We can walk with him again. So, yes, we need a sinless Savior. And Easter, this day, is all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So, I'm going to walk us back through what we heard with Rachel and with Jeff and the video by Tim. Relationship, brokenness, and restoration. And it's, it's not just a story that we're trying to tell to people that we haven't heard. This is a story of our lives. This is a process that we go through. We bounce back and forth into places of brokenness in our life. We turn back to rules, different patterns, and we need to come back to the cross of Jesus and find that place of humility, find his life, find that restoration again. So, Genesis chapter 2, if you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a device that has a Bible on it, you can open that up. And we're in the Garden of Eden. For those that don't have either of those, we'll have some scriptures up in front of us out of the New International Version. So Garden of Eden, what does that conjure up for you? Is that Wakanda? Anybody see in the movie? The perfect place. It's all that you can imagine that's perfect. It's not just beauty, but it's healthy relationships. There's a freedom from pain. There's a freedom from the bitterness that's tied to our past. In the prodigal son, in in, uh, Luke chapter 15, so I'm going back between this beginning account in history in Genesis and in Luke 15. In that story, we have a son, we have two sons in the father's house. Every need is met healthy relationship, good communication. It's an amazing place. And this is God's intent. Healthy, beautiful, whole relationship with Him and with each other. And that's what God has done in the beginning. He, He created a beautiful place, a garden. And He put a man and a woman in that garden. And He put two trees in that garden in the middle of everything else, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we now turn to brokenness from this wonderful place, oh my goodness, as my sons sometimes say, oh my gooseness, oh my, we go to a place of brokenness. And we know that. There's broken things inside of us. There's broken things in our relationship with each other. And they come because of this dissonance that we have with God. So where does all this start? 
The brokenness for Adam and Eve started when they doubted God's word. When you doubt someone's word, you're questioning their character. In Genesis 3, verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman had heard God speak, and she said, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, when God spoke, and we're going to go to that passage in just a moment, he didn't say not to touch, but rules have already begun being created in her mind. And let me remind you, the one who's questioning is called the father of lies. So, it's okay to ask God questions, all right? But when we begin questioning his character, we open up a door to lies and confusion. So, what God really said in Genesis 2 was, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. All of this stuff. It's all edible. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, God didn't just tell them not to eat from the tree in order to test them. He told them not to eat the fruit of the tree because it was poison. It would kill them. Again, in this next verse, we have a question of God's word and character. And then there's this issue of, of pride. And pride is, is not just this arrogance, I am better than you. Pride is a shift to self-focus. It's a shift to you being the center. In Genesis 3, 4, and 5, you'll not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Wait, they're already made in the image of God. What he's doing is telling you, you don't even know who you are. He's beginning to distort the clarity of their identity. They're made in God's image. And they're already eating from the tree of life. They're living in Eden. So we have these two trees. And again, in each one of our lives, we can choose this tree of relationship that's centered in God, the creator of the universe, the person who put all this together, who knows your DNA. And then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is the tree of rules. This is the tree that we've made of self-righteousness. This is every religion in the world apart from Jesus. How can I do something to gain acceptance from God? What can I do to perform to make it, to make me acceptable to Him, to make me impressive to you? 
What kind of rules do I have to put together? So, we walk in this, are we going to live with the tree of life? Are we going to live out of these rules, the knowledge of good and evil? So, we know the story. They chose to try to put something together for themselves out of relationship with God. And then immediately, their shame, they move away from relationship with God. It destroys their relationship with each other. Because if we're not centered in Him, we don't have the God's empowering presence. This is what grace is. The song we sing about grace, the empowering presence of God, His ability, His strength that comes from walking with Him, being with Him, allows us to forgive each other, allows us to receive forgiveness. So the lie is, you can do this all by yourself. You don't need God. You don't need to go back to Him. So the fallout of all this is what? War between genders, war between generations, war between races, brother fighting against brother. In the younger story, younger son, in Luke chapter 15, the son begins saying, hmm, I think that my father hasn't really given me everything. He questions his father's character. In the 13th verse, after he negotiated for his independence, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, I, I, I think that's a humorous statement a little bit. Wild living, because at some level, if you went on most college campuses in the United States, that is exactly what they're looking for. I want some wild living for a little while. That sounds pretty exciting. And actually, in Hebrews it says, there's pleasure in sin for a season. You know, when you first step away from constraining relationships, the limits of faithfulness, the limits of commitment. You think, freedom! But then, when we drink from these lies, we get the unquenchable thirst of loneliness. This ability to choose our own way leaves us more and more alone. So that this is the story of the cross, of Jesus. Our Father is not the one who put up all of these rules. He put the law in place, it says in the New Testament, to be a schoolmaster to bring us back to relationship. And again, how many of you have heard this? You don't have to raise your hands right now. You can just blink your left eye. You've heard some of this stuff before. I got a couple of blinks. That was awesome. But we have this thing called entropy. We tend toward disorder. We tend toward falling away from relationship. There's a decay that's loose in Boston. It's out to get you. 
telling you, you're alone and there's no way out. But, you know, so the goal is at some point in this process for you to feel terrible. Okay? It's bad. We're broken. And you may be, that may be what you're intensely experiencing right now on a personal level, or maybe in your marriage, or maybe with a friendship. You're feeling a lot of disconnection. That's not where God leaves us. You know, the world is saying, resist, pull away, don't trust. For the very few of us that remember this, there were some bumper stickers when I was growing up. In my teen years, it said, don't trust anyone over 30. So, this lack of trust thing between the generations, it is not new. This lack of trust thing between the races is a global issue. The lack of trust between man and woman, it's as old as history. But there's good news. That's what gospel means. Gospel is not, again, they just hit me with the gospel. No, it's... they. Some of these words, these New Testament words, when they were first spoken, when they were first put together, it was accurate. Say, hey, got some good news. I got something excellent. You're not alone. Your destiny is not isolation. Your purpose was not to be arm's length, guilty, judged, but to be brought in close again. But we don't get back to God out of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't get back to God by performing. We don't get back to God with our own works of like, I read the Bible enough. I prayed enough. I did enough good things. I acted this out in the right way. We get back to God in the same way that the son did. He got up. After he'd spent everything, there's severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country and sent him to feed the pigs. (laughs) He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, you know, there are places in our life where you're just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I, I know in my own life that just the weight of making enough money, getting to the next place, working through all the details, we grow dull, we're exhausted. And we got to wake up and come to our senses and say, whoa, where am I? How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up 
and went to his father. The first step is humility. So wherever you are, if you're in a place of isolation, if you're in a place of loneliness, if you're in a place of broken relationship, the first step is to humble yourself. You know, in, in my marriage, every once in a while, once every 10 years, Susan and I have an argument. Get confused. You know, what just happened? No, it happens multiple times. I'm, you know, sometimes it's multiple times a day, sometimes it's multiple times a week, sometimes it's multiple times a month. Depends on the amount of humility that's flowing in our lives. But when I'm feeling that aloneness and that isolation, I start asking myself, where can I get a hold of some humility? How can I confess my sin? How can I say, I'm sorry? Where can I go back and agree with truth? Now, life, this is, this is a saying I'm about to give you, is one of my favorite. Life is never wrong, but right is not always life. Right, life, excuse me, thank you, I, I get some help over here. The question is not whether it's right or wrong. The question is, is it life? Okay? We're not asking right or wrong because life is always right. Right does not always have life. You can be right and hit somebody over the head. But if you're walking in life, you're not going to be doing wrong. Anybody with me? So we're looking for life, not right and wrong. If you're walking in life, you're going to be living above the rules, not away from the rules, like not saying the rules don't apply to you. I'm saying you're not only, you're fulfilling the rules automatically. You're just living out the depth of the heart of everything that God intended in his word. So the younger son goes back through humility and just recognizing his need. I'm starving. It's not working. This thing, I'm just turning it around again and again. I need a Savior. So, in the New Testament, we see Jesus come to earth as a man in the ultimate expression of love and humility. He lived a sinless, perfect life so that we could get the most accurate picture of what the Father is like. He came to reveal the Father. And he died to pay the sacrifice for all of your sin. Not just you, you as an individual, but our entire world for all of time. I was just praying last week. I was saying resurrection, crucifixion, 
Resurrection, crucifixion. Lord, show me with this again. Crucifixion is paying the price for your sin. You're believing that Jesus, in, you're going back to life and saying, I admit, I, with humility, I say, Lord, I need your death, burial, and resurrection. And the resurrection is just proving who he is. The resurrection is saying he's, he has power over death. He is the author of life. Peter, speaking of Jesus, said in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I want to invite the band back up here right now. I want to let us respond just a little bit. There's a war on in, in our lives. If you've never come to a place where you say, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I've heard this story before. Kind of been around this. I've bumped into it at different places. But I've, I've never actually acted on it. You want to have us all stand together. We're gonna, and we're going to give us, me, I'm going to talk about two opportunities for prayer right now. So if you've never said, Jesus, you're God and I'm not. You are creator and I am the creation. And I don't want to live out of my own systems trying to make myself better. I want your life. I want you to come and live your life in me. If you've never done that before, just put your hand up and put it back down. I've never done that before. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to have everything that I am. I want to make him Lord. If there's a, I'm going to give another opportunity for prayer, and you can respond to him at any point in time in this process. The second thing that I want to invite us to is to break off aloneness off of our lives. break aloneness off of our marriages, to break aloneness off of our families. And ask, Lord, I'm, I, I'm stuck for some reason. I'm going to tell you, uh, there's times of a loneliness in my life that I feel that is unnatural. My daughter and son-in-law are in western Michigan. My son and daughter-in-law are in, in Colorado. My Half of my family's in Louisiana, some of them in Arkansas. My parents are in Tennessee. I feel a bit of aloneness every once in a while because of the distance and all this busyness and everything that's happening in my life. But there are deeper things of aloneness that happen that you just know. You know, there's some choices I've made. And I, I need, I just want to humble myself again. 
want to, I need to say I'm sorry to some people. And I need to ask God's forgiveness. And if that's you, I just encourage you to lift up a hand, put your hands in front of you. Do something to put yourself in a posture of receiving right now. Put out one or two hands. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to humble myself right now. I want to break this loneliness off. I want to break this self-sufficiency, this pattern I've fallen into off of my life. I want to come back to the tree of life. So come, Lord Jesus. These expressions of humility right now, I ask you to come like a wave of your love, just like the Father. When he saw the Son had been gone had gone away, was coming back in rags, and he runs to him. I want to tell you, as you put out your hands, the Father is running to you. He's not ashamed to run to you, to pursue you. He's been pursuing you. Say, just say it. Speak out under your breath. Lord, here I am. I need you. But humbling myself before you right now, I've done it wrong again. I did it wrong again this morning. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Jesus, wash us freshly today. I just want to say, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you from all unrighteousness. Just wash us today, Lord. Bring us back into tender, intimate relationship with you. That's where it starts. We have relationship with each other because we are in right relationship with Jesus. Forgiveness cover over your life and let it draw you into deeper confession that would draw you into deeper dependence and deeper connection to the tree of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to end up our time today with a worship song. As we're doing this, uh, got a table in the back. Did that happen? All right. We're going to have some people that if you want to pray with someone today, just head to the back of the room and uh, you can do that right now if you want to during the worship time or when it's over. We are, we want to open up our lives in a fresh way. So as we worship, just say, Jesus, here I am. I receive you. Work in my life again deeply.